Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books in Sociology podcast channel on the New Book Network. I'm Deidre Tyler, the host of the channel, and today we'll be talking with Dr. Ken Sun, the author of Time and Migration, How Long-Term Taiwanese Migrants Negotiate Later Life. How are you doing, Dr. Sun? I'm doing well. How about you? Great. Tell the audience a bit about yourself and how the book project began. Okay, my name is Ken Sam. I'm currently assistant professor of sociology and criminology at Villanova University. Uh, I started this project in 2010, but I actually entered the field before I officially started this project in 2005. I received a scholarship from Berndeis University. And uh, I before that, I never left Taiwan. So I was very anxious. So my friend connected me to their networks in Boston. And I get to know a lot of Taiwanese immigrants settling in Boston for a very long time. That's how I entered the field. And during the second year of my grad school, I took a qualitative research method class and I was asked to do a final semester project. I didn't know what to do. So I thought it might be interesting to talk to some Taiwanese immigrants who have lived in the US for many years. So I conducted a few interviews and my professor find it very interesting. That is how I started this project. Sounds very interesting. You uh, mentioned descriptions of living in a whole society. Can you uh-huh. describe that a little bit more for, for the audience? Okay, sure. Uh, in immigration study, whole society is typically defined in relation to home society, i.e., the birth country. And in my, in my case, it is very interesting and tricky because my respondents have lived in the US for several decades. So for them, it's no longer a whole society. It's a second homeland because they have lived here for many years or most of their lives. Now, you talked about a lot of the respondents, and one really stuck out, the people who had a goal to make money and return home. Mm-hmm. Did that happen for most of the people you talk with? This is such a great question, and I thought about thought a lot about this question myself. Sociologist Mary Water talked about the dream many immigrants in the U.S. have. Many of them 
thought about making a lot of money and return home, but most of them never return home. They probably go back to their homeland to visit, but they never move back and settle there. My respondents actually make a decent amount of money. They and their children experience social mobility in the U.S., but majority of them did not move back to Taiwan because they work, establish a career, raise families in the U.S. So after living here for so many years, they have trouble returning home. Some of them actually move back, but that's certainly not the majority. That's so interesting.、Um, when you look at relocation to a new society, you mentioned that it involved loss.、Mm-hmm. That statement is an eye opener. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I think that many immigrants experience a lot of structural, social, and cultural loss after they relocate from their home to whole society. Or from their receive from their sending to receiving countries, for example, many of them experience occupational downward mobility, for for because expertise and educational credential don't really transfer. You may re- you may receive medical education in Taiwan, but your medical degree and certificate. Are not really recognized in the U.S. You speak Mandarin or Taiwanese in your homeland, but here you need to speak English. So many of them have trouble fully expressing themselves, at least initially, and they also transition from racial majority. To racial minority. At the same time, they also learn new things. They learn new languages. They learn new social habits. They learn different lifestyles. They learn new different worldview. So it's about loss. It's also about gaining new knowledge. Now, tell us about the experience of the migrants who didn't marry because. You center so much about families in in your book, but、mm-hmm. um, specifically, Mr. Long, the the man you call Mr. Long.、Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Long is an interesting example because majority of my respondents get married and have children, and most of them are middle class. This is consistent with the research. On Taiwanese immigrants in the U.S., but I think Mr. Long is a very example. Example. He is of working class background. He did not marry. He did not get married. He did not have a lot of money. He actually moved to Taiwan back because he did not have much other choices. And but after he moved back to Taiwan. His life gets improved because he's covered by、uh, public health care, pub public health care's insurance. He can access to many social assistances, right? So I think that, but most majority 
the majority of Americans can, don't have a homeland to return to. So I think Mr. Lang's example teaches a lot about American society, right? What about those Americans who don't have a homeland to return to? How should we look after them when they transition to a later stage of life? What were some of the motivating factors to push people to migrate to the United States? Like many other migrants, immigrants who decide to move to the U.S. because they want to make their life better, they want to work, make money, establish a new career, enable their children to receive better education. And my respondents migrate to the U.S. for similar reasons. At the same time, I also, I also think it's very important to acknowledge the historical connections between U.S. and Taiwan, between 1950s and 1970s. U.S. government provide Taiwan with a lot of material support. U.S. also back then, U.S. also had military bases in Taiwan. So for many of my respondents, U.S. is the uh, is a protector. It's also a quote unquote better country. That is why many of my respondents believe they can create. A better life for them and their families in the U.S., and that also why they decide to relocate to the United States. What were some of the perceptions that many of the people had before they they migrated? They think that the、uh, U.S. is a promising land of opportunity. They believe they can receive better education. Their children can have a more promising career. Ah,、uh, they can live in a politically stable and secure life, and they also believe in American dream. That is, if we work hard enough, we can accomplish upward social mobility. From your research, what was the overall finding? I think that we need to understand aging in a transnational context. For for many migrants, when they think about how to plan and organize their post-retirement life, they think about resources available in the U.S. and back in the homeland. And I think that there are two things we need to think about. First of all, many people assume older people don't change, but actually they change. They change with their children. They change after they spend so many years working, raising children, establishing family in the United States. At the same time, we also need to remember immigrants' homeland change. Over time, Taiwan in 1950s is very different from Taiwan today, and Taiwan is not exceptional. Many countries, such as South Korea, 
China, India, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong have progressed over the past three to four decades. And we need to remember time complicates everything. Well, I've taken up a lot of your time. I've enjoyed our conversation. But can you tell the audience what project are you working on next? Oh, I'm working on several other projects. Uh, one of the projects I'm working on is global care chain. I study Chinese immigrants in the U.S. and their parents who remain back home, and the pay and unpaid caregiver who care for the older generations who remain back home. And I try to understand how family dynamics un- unfold in the context of parental health decline. Another project I'm doing is about pandemic racism. I try to understand how Asian immigrants and their children navigate themselves in the larger context of COVID-19 and anti-Asian sentiment. Sounds like some great projects that you're working on. We'll be looking forward to reading about them. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me.